It's a bad idea letting you guys loose on community. You just talk a lot. Uh, why don't you come back in again? Um, we're going to be continuing on our series, but uh, just, um, just uh, before we get into this, um, I want to take an opportunity just to pray for some folks. Um, uh, first of all, there's a couple of people just with uh, a, few, a few cancer scares at the minute in our church, and we really want to pray for them this morning. Um, I want to pray for them first, and then I want to pray for somebody else. Uh, but let's just pray for those that are threat. You know, cancer is just this awful disease that, um, that you know, when it comes into a family, it just is this rot that goes on inside a person. And I, I just want to pray this morning. Father, we come against all disease. We come against every cancer scare, every worry, anxiety associated with that, Lord. And we pray for your supernatural power, Lord, to remove any fear. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. We, just, uh, Lord, we, just, uh, we, we pray for healing of every cancer and every disease. In Jesus' name we pray. Uh, and then one that's quite personal to me, um, I know Hazel and Gavin are here, but uh, a few weeks ago, Jack Mateer, some of you know Jack. Jack was an elder at First Antrim for many years, goes to the vineyard today. But Jack had a healing ministry in, in Antrim for many, many years. Um, Jack, uh, a couple of weeks ago, had a bleed on his brain. Uh, he had an operation this last week, and it resulted in him having a stroke. And um, I mean, he's one of my spiritual fathers. He's a man that I went to for prayer. He taught me ministry at a very young age, and uh, Gavin and Hazel are here today. So I'm going to get them to stand up, and I want some of you guys just around them to lay hands on them by proxy. Um, I really want to pray for Jack this morning, and uh, uh, not that he's just a good man, that he would be instantly healed, that the Lord would just come this morning and, and touch him. Gavin, I know it's embarrassing you, but stand up. Let's just pray for them. A few of you guys that know them, some of the elders, maybe just pray. Father, we just pray for Jack this morning, Lord, as he's in hospital. Father, I pray for Hazel and Gavin and Debbie, Lord, and, and for Charlotte and and the kids, Scott. We just pray, Lord, that they would know the peace that passes all understanding this morning. And Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, would you come and heal Jack? Lord, take all the swelling out, Lord, all the effects of that stroke, Lord, reverse them in Jesus' name, Lord. Lord, may the doctors be gobsmacked and confounded, Lord, by what you do through this. Lord, we just pray for peace and comfort inside of Jack, Lord, that he would know your supernatural peace right now. As we pray for him, we lift him up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks for doing that. I know they'll be encouraged by that. Thank you so much. Um, just continue to pray for, for, for those that are sick. If there's anybody else out there, you know, we've got a ministry team at the end. We'd love to pray for you. Whatever's going on at the end, we've got a great team here. We'll pray for you. Um, I was in Reading a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I probably saw 20 miracles out there. And I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm starting to get annoyed at you, and I've asked for forgiveness for that. But it's one of those things where when you've prayed for years and years and years to see breakthrough in healing, and you get little glimmers every now and again, uh, but I really want to, I want a house that you walk into and you see 20 healings in a week. You know, I, I want a house like that. And, uh, and, and I believe that that's the house that God's called us to do. And, and I really want to continue to pray as we go through this, this series. I, I want you to understand something about our house, about what we do um, here at Journey. Um, if you are here last week, if you weren't, that's okay. I'll, I'll recap slightly on that. But I want to give you four uh, passages of Scripture. They're different ones. They'll appear on the screen. Uh, but the first one's from Romans 12, 3 to 5. It said this, For by the grace given me, uh, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And it's important that you remember that, that, that God gives you a measure of faith, but it's up to you what you do with that faith. And uh, God wants you to use it just as each of us is one body with many members, and those members do, all, uh, do not all have the same function. So in Christ, who, uh, we who are many from one, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Look at the person beside you and say, you belong to me, and I belong to you. 
And if you like them, you can swap numbers, okay? Check out your single first, all right? Another scripture in Galatians 6, two, two verses, 9 and 10, said this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong, say belong, to the family of believers. And then we see quite a few Psalms where it talks about this idea of what a church community is meant to look like. The Ecclesia, um, uh, when we gather together, uh, Psalm 68, uh, verse 5 and 6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in family. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. And it says this in Psalm 92, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Uh, this is about flourishing when you set down root. And it's important that you understand that there's, there's something in belonging to each other when we set down root that actually God comes through, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Uh, this idea that when you're planted in the house of the Lord, that we flourish and God breaks through. And the Bible uh, teaches us the value of local church. Uh, many of you know that the local church was the only organization on earth that's not for the benefit of its members. It's for the benefit of the non-members. It's important that you get your head around that before we start into this. This word ecclesia means the gathering of God's people. It's a Greek word. It's this idea that when we corporately come together, and it's important you understand when we corporately come together, it's a foretaste of what's going to happen in heaven. It's this idea that in the city of God, whenever we go into heaven, there's a place where there's 24-7 not that there might be 24-7 then, but there's 24-7 prayer and worship that we will be able to go and visit this place called uh, the Holy of Holies, and day and night they're worshiping the Lord. This is a foretaste of heaven on earth before we get to heaven. And it's important that the Bible teaches the value of local church, and it's important that you belong. There's a, the, the, all through Scripture, there's this idea of belonging in community. Belonging was God's idea. Um, and there's an epidemic right now of people who don't feel that they belong belong to anything. I'll come to that later on. But this idea of Ecclesia was that on the day of Pentecost, God started at the church. The church started on the day of Pentecost. It was the, it was the, fore, it was the foretelling and the implementation of years of this picture of God forming a community of believers on earth. And it was important that you understand all the way through Scripture, you had to make a decision in order to come together and worship with God's people. The Bible says that He inhabits the praises of of his people. And that idea of this local visible congregation is really, really important. A Christian without a local church is like an organ without a body, a sheep without a flock, and a child without a family. And it's important that you identify with yourself in a local church. Here, last week, I shared extensively on what we value here. First of all, I said that we were reformed in our theology. Well, what do I mean by that? Because everybody's got different ideas of what that means. Well, basically, to sum it up, we believe you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that the only way to get to the Father, the only way that that you can be restored is to know him personally, invite him into your life, repent, leave an old world behind, and come into this new world, and that you give your life to, to, to the Lord. We also believe that theology, Jesus is perfect theology, that in that theology, that having a healthy theology in our church is really, really important. If we don't get that right, it can lead to legalism and judgment and all sorts of things that we see regularly happen in some uh, organizations and churches. The second thing that I said was we were charismatic in our philosophy. I said that we weren't charismaniacs, though we do have a few here. 
Um, you know who you are. Um, but uh, that charismatic, well, what does that mean? Well, we actually believe that the gifts of God didn't get extinguished after 300 years, that they're still very active today, and that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts in order to build the church. It's important that you understand that the gift you get isn't designed to make you feel good. Let me say that again. The gift that you get isn't designed to make you feel good. It's designed to build the church. The byproduct is you get to feel good. But remember, that's not the motivation. And whenever we get these gifts of God, when he fills us with his spirit, uh, we actually get these gifts to share with other people, bar one gift, that's the gift of tongues. Uh, everybody over the years has had a whole handling uh, with tongues. Uh, I don't really understand the, the big deal with it all. I, I keep saying to people, do you think you're gonna speak English when you get to heaven? that actually the earthly languages were a curse because of the Tower of Babel, and that actually we speak in tongues of men and of angels. And the gift of tongues is a private prayer language that when I pray, I pray to God. It's my soul interceding to God, and we do that in tongues. And often in worship, you'll hear us singing in tongues in this church, and that's part of, that, uh, part of what we do. That's the only gift that edifies you. That's the gift that lifts you up. All the other gifts are meant to be shared. Uh, and we also believe in Christophanies. I said last week that we believe that when a corporate group of people come together to worship, Christ passed by. And I've been in some of the most intense worship sessions where you just know Christ is in the room. Christ is here, he's with us. And he tends to show up a whole lot more when we come together corporately as the ecclesia. And last week, thirdly, I said that we were missional in our approach. Well, every church needs a mission. If you start with the church, the mission will get lost. If you start with the mission, the church will flourish. Well, what's our mission here? Well, our mission is to go to the ends of earth. That's a great commission. But our commission here originally started off was to, to see Antrim restored, renewed, and delivered, to see the young people in this town have a better place. And I shared last week and, uh, some of the stuff that I think God's doing in our town. Years of praying for this place is seeing this place flourish. Last week, there was 190,000 people came to the garden show. Um, you know, we've got one of the most amazing, spectacular uh, garden shows. It, it's, it, it, people from all over Ireland come to it. We're just seeing things where Antrim is becoming this creative hub. Why? Well, because I genuinely believe because a bunch of us people began to pray 12 years ago. I genuinely believe that. I'm not saying it's just down to us, but I think something happened in our community and when we do that, and when you get people who understand the vision of God, we go after the mission. That's why we do our Easter egg drop. People said, I had somebody challenge me and said, well, what gospel is that? I says, that is exactly the gospel, and if you don't get it, you don't understand it. And actually, it's this idea that we bless, we continually bless, and we faithfully bless our community, and it comes from Acts 2, when God said, um, good deeds leads to goodwill, and I believe it leads to good news. And that's a vision of our church, and that we will always be on mission. You have to find a mission, that's what I said last week. If you don't have a mission, you will be bored, you will be depressed, and you will sadly probably lose your faith at some point along the way. It's important that you find your own mission. I found a mission in you uh, many years ago when the Lord put that on my heart. Um, I was having this battle about go either going to Fiji to be a diving instructor, but that came with a free divorce or plant a church. I'm not sure I picked the right choice, to be honest with you. <laughs> and it's one of, the, one of those ones whenever, uh, whenever God puts something in your soul, but that has moved from just a local vision to being a national vision of Ireland. But actually, you need to know this, our church is affecting the world right now. We have an incredible ministry that you'll not know a lot about, but there's a bunch of uh, faithful counselors in our church that are counseling leaders all over the world. We see famous people, we see people from, from um, high influence in churches, and they come to us because we've got something to offer. And I really believe that our church is punching way bigger than its weight, and that was prophecies that were given us to a long time. We don't have a lot of people. I, I, I don't to truthful, I wrestle with this. I kind of think, why don't we have more people? And I think our image uh, sometimes has always got that we're crazy. 
uh, and other people see that or that we're a cult. And like I said last week, I need a t-shirt that says, I'm a cult leader and don't get the perks. <laughs> Here's the truth. I love our church. I love what we're doing here. I love its people. I love your passion. I love what God's called us to do. And you know what I love even more? We get to do this together. This isn't just about me or a team. It's about all of us. And that's the way that church was meant to look like. However, there's a problem. Sometimes whenever uh, we don't say yes to spiritual family, we end up um, uh, getting down roads where we get isolated and stuck. And I want to point out five things to you today that actually is really important, that belonging to a local church gives us whenever we value uh, what we do. And it is important that you make a decision to say yes to local church. Now, listen, if this isn't your local church and you're here visiting, and we do have a few visitors that come regularly, that's okay. You need to commit into your own local church. And church hoppings become cool over, I think that's because of COVID and everybody watched different church services online and you picked whatever church you wanted to go to on Sunday. But can I say something? As much as online community is great, you can't have a virtual church with virtually no people and a virtual pastor. You, you, you have to belong to a local church in order to get the benefit. There's something about someone laying hands on you. I, I went out to Reading in January, first time in two years, I walked in the door and 10 people laid hands on me and prayed for me. And it was like, oh, this feels like manna from heaven because I had, hadn't had people lay hands on me for two years. And of course, in Reading, COVID doesn't exist. Um, but but it, was one of, it was one of those things where I was just like, oh, this was so refreshing. There was something about when you gather with people, when they pray together, we do this together and we encourage each other and we get these incredible blessings. Uh, and the result becomes this opportunity. And uh, I want to give you these five things that I think can be found. Um, what happens when, you, when you're not planted in the local church, when, when you're not saying yes to God's spiritual family? And again, last week I said this word family. I had to change the word family to community because in our world today, the word family means very different things to lots of different people. And the family of God is the family of God, but we have an earthly family. This is our ecclesia, all right? The word ecclesia has been replaced by family, but actually that's not what it means. It's actually the community of believers. And you're a community of believers, but the moment that you think this is your family, guess what happens if you've had a disappointment in your own family? You soon very quickly get disappointed at this family. But we're a community, and you've got your family. We're part of God's family, but here we're the ecclesia. We're part of the community. Let me give you five things if you're taking notes. The first one is, belonging to a local church builds your beliefs. It builds your beliefs. We live in a world with a huge deficit and a generation all around that, that actually don't know what they believe anymore. Um, I regularly get messages or into conversations with people where I've just discovered people don't know what to believe, even the Christians. And I want to encourage you, it's important that you read the Scripture. Um, in our church, we don't have Bible studies here, and there's a reason for that. You should be studying the Bible by yourself. If you need to come here to have the Bible study, now we do Bible studies, don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is, is we don't have a weekly Bible study like the way a traditional church might, might have. What, well, I, I'm, we, that was a very deliberate part on our part. Why? Because if you're not reading the Scriptures daily, you, you will never grow. You will never understand. There's, there's Scriptures even this week that I read, that I'd read 50,000 times, honestly, thousands of times, and all of a sudden a sentence pops up and go, how did that sneak in there? I've never noticed that before. And God speaks to you through that. If you are not reading your scripture, you will run very dry. But there's something else important with that, that your belief system gets shaped by, 
by what you do. A, a few years ago, I was at a, a, a school. I was asked to speak at an RE class. And um, I was talking to this RE class, and they were fourth form. You would think they would know better, having been an RE for most of their life. But I asked the question, um, did any of them know the four Gospels? And someone shouted out, someone shouted out Matthew. And I, I give them a little bit of a help with, with, with Luke. Someone said Mark, and nobody, who, nobody knew who the who the third one was, and I, of course I'm called John, and, and I'm, I'm in there. But one of the guys said Rufus. <laughs> now, I still don't know whether he was joking or serious. My gut is he was serious, but there's a real deficit today. There's an absolute clueness going on, and they're stabbing in the jar, and John, like, it's like, kind of like, you know, Moses gathered some animals up in the ark. Isn't that right? I'll say it again, Moses gathered animals in the ark. Oh, I know the penny's dropping. Come on, we need to know, and it's shocking how lack of biblical foundation and belief system that, that, that we have. It's important that you decide something, and we, we spoke on this when we did our reading series. You need to decide whether you're going to let the world dictate your beliefs or Scripture. You have to make that decision. And you know what's happening today, and I see it a lot, there's a justification coming for immorality and sin. And immorality and sin are a, are a byproduct of the broken relationship with God. It's the broken love that creates immorality and sin. But it's actually the problem is the church has gone after morality and sin instead of going after broken love. I've discovered if you fix the broken love, the morality and the sin tends to fall away. And the idea of relationship is exactly what God wanted us to be part of. And local church develops relationship. And here in Journey, that's what happens every time you show up. When you show up relationally, you get to know other people. But every time you hear a sermon, every time you show up to a prayer meeting, every time you show up to a small group, you will hear Scripture being taught, being preached, and an inference to help you live your life Monday through to the following Sunday. You see, we don't do exegetical teaching here very often. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, we don't take a chapter of Scripture and work our way down through it. Um, hands up who've been to those for 30 years? Um, a few of you, yeah. And they teach you a lot about Scripture, but sometimes I think they don't equip you for how to live life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And at our church, we decided early on that rather than going down that route, though we still do that from time to time, that we would teach uh, expository, which actually means is the equipment that we give you is to equip the saints for acts of service so that you would be better equipped Monday through to Thursday. But if you don't know what you believe in God, you know, uh, it's, it's, you're going to get into trouble somewhere along the way. It's really important that you form a proper belief structure. Now, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about arguing with you theologically over, say, the end times. Um, someone keeps asking me lately, was I post-millennial or pre-millennial? And I quoted my wife and said, I'm pan-millennial because it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> and, and I think we get ourselves into a whole lot of trouble. But it is important that you understand the creed, you understand that Jesus died and rose again, that the resurrection happened. And you also understand that there's a Spirit of God alive and active today, living in you, that wants to build His church. And it is important that you get a firm foundation as to how that works, so that when somebody comes along and asks you a question, you actually have something that you know what to say. You see, faith comes from hearing and hearing through God's Word. And it's really important that you build your beliefs around that. And we have to be smart enough to teach the next generation. Um, my wife was raised brother and I was raised Catholic. She read the Bible a lot and we were told not to read the Bible. And uh, it's kind of it's funny. So whenever I got handed my first Bible, I'm like, this is new. And uh, I think I literally kid you not, I started in Deuteronomy. 
Um, I came back and uh, I, I said to the guy that gave me the Bible, I says, hey, I'm reading this really weird book. It's kind of weird. It's got a whole lot of begets this and begets that. He says, don't start there. Just leave that alone. Uh, go off into Matthew. Mark. I said, what, you start in the middle of the book? He's like, yeah. He says, he says uh, the whole story runs through that. But it's this idea that when we read the scripture, something builds our belief. But it is important that when you come here and you fit in, that we teach you something that helps you grow, helps you mature, helps you become better than you are today than you were this time last year, but also to focus you that you'll be better this time next year, that your belief uh, gets established. Uh, the first thing we do is we need to build our beliefs when you come to church. The second thing that we believe as a result is this. It gives you a place of belonging. It gives you a sense of belonging. Um, I often realize in the counseling room, one of the biggest problems today is that most people don't really feel they fit. I'll challenge you. Go ahead and think for yourself for a moment. Where have you ever fitted in? Just think about that. Where have you ever felt like you fitted in, that you belong, that you got a place of belonging? Go ahead and think about that. I've discovered if people didn't feel they fitted in at home in childhood, they will grow up not fitting in anywhere. Uh, in school, in high school, in university, in their job, or even in their church. Uh, and I do a little exercise in the council room where I draw six circles, and I get people to put dots as to where they feel that they belong. If you felt in the center of the circle when you were in childhood, you actually will find that you'll be in the center of all the circles as you grow along. But if you were offset or inside the circle but on the line or outside, that actually is often where all of the six places that demonstrate. It's quite incredible how many times that happens. And church is meant to give you a place where you belong. Now, what do I mean when I belong? Because there's two-way traffic, all right? There is a group of people that come and I belong to church to receive. And there's a season when people come to church where they belong and it's important that they receive. They receive teaching, they receive prayer, they, 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 they receive uh, discipleship, they receive encouragement. It's important you get that. But if you're doing that for 20 years, something's not right. Because the discipleship process has to look like this, that actually you go through this transformation that the more you belong, the more that you fit in, the more you get healed, restored, and delivered, the more your job then is to become that person that you've needed for all of that time. People say to me, well, how long that should be? Well, it's different for every, every person. But if I said to you that that shouldn't be any more than a year, that gives you something to focus on. Um, I love that there's new folks that came through Alpha last year. They're here at church. Um, and when they come through Alpha course, they come in and they think one of the gospels is Rufus. Honestly, they do. And, uh, and you, start, you start to encourage them in Alpha. And what you see uh, incredibly over a period of time is they, as they go through this course over this 10 weeks, God begins to do something on the inside of them. Their belief begins to change. They begin to look at life differently. They begin to, to change. And then they have an encounter with the living God at the Alpha weekend when the Spirit of God comes in, transforms their life. They are changed in a moment. In that moment, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life and God doesn't have a big rubber, all right? You can't undo your salvation. It was a gift of God. He gave it to you. There's nothing you contribute to. But when God gives you that gift of salvation, there's a responsibility what you do with that. And it is important that you just don't stop then. I thought when I got saved, that was it. That's not it. There's a journey to be had. It's called sanctification. And God wants to march us on a journey of renewal, of healing, and consistently being transformed into his likeness, that we would have the mind of Christ, that we, we move from here to here. Why? That we didn't have the mind of Christ, and now we do.
Let me ask the question, when it comes to the people that you don't like very much, do you have the mind of Christ? When it comes to uh, belonging in church, do you have the mind of Christ? Northern Ireland, we love a good gossip. We, we love, see her there. Look what she's wearing today, coming to church looking like that. That's what we do. And yet, what are we meant to have? We're meant to know the mind of Christ. That when you come in, you belong in, but it is important. You can belong for a while, and it's important. But there's a point you have to get where you don't need to belong anymore to be free. Let me say it again. There's a point in life that you get to where you don't need to belong. You just do. Do you see what I'm saying? If you need to belong somewhere, you will always be looking for somebody else to give you something that they can't give you. But there's a point comes when you settle this issue internally where you say, that's it, I belong here. And, and it's quite incredible what happens when you choose just to go, I belong and stop wrestling with it. You see, a lot of people try. We see it a lot. You know, they try to fit in, they try to come along, and then they get frustrated at us because they're trying so hard to fit in a particular way that it doesn't quite work. Can I just say to you, if that's you, relax yourself. Take a chill pill, all right? Just come in and be. And this is a place where you can be for a period of time, but there'll be a point when you'll get one of us, probably me, will come along and you'll either get a tap on the shoulder or a size 10 on the backside. Either work, depending on who it is. But actually it's important that you go, hey, you can't stay here anymore. Uh, I had someone, when I preached on marriage um, here a couple of weeks ago, someone came to me uh, who were living together, had a child together, and they were like, we didn't know, are we supposed to be married? I, you know, that's, that's going on right now. And I said, well, technically, if you're living with your wife and you've got kids, you kind of like, I've left your mom and you did the biblical thing and, and you're kind of married, but it might be good if you make this legal and maybe before God it might be good to do. Right, we must sort that out. That's the world that we live in. And we have to have a place where people can come in here and belong before they have to believe. But there will be a point that if you sit in this seat and you're here for a year, if you're not getting one of us in your ear, our team aren't doing their job right. Why? Because God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. It's a cliche, but it's true. He's designed to bring you into the fullness of God, and that's what belonging actually makes. And belonging comes by serving. We have endless amounts of stuff to do around here. I know that technology team, I know for some people it scares the life out of you, but we need people to go up in there and get trained by some of the best people. Uh, Craig on the sign there, he's building the team. Come and belong. You wanna know fellowship? You wanna get to know people? Serving a team, Eddie and Jillian, they're not here this morning, but they said, we love doing coffee. Absolutely love doing coffee. Why? Because we get to, get to meet everybody, get to talk to everybody. Uh, just go and serve somewhere. So if you're making this your home church and you've decided that's the case, come in and not just sit and take, but come in and belong and serve. It's really, really important that when you belong, that that comes part of the journey. And uh, um, so, you know, you might say to me, well, John, can't I believe without belonging? Well, Technically, you, you can, but you won't do it for very long. It's hard to believe and not belong in a spiritual community. Uh, there's just something about what, what you come against when you decide to go out on your own. Do you know Northern Ireland has the largest church population of the unchurched? There are so many people have been hurt and scarred by church that they go, you know what, if that's church, I, I don't want to belong to it anymore. I'll do my Christianity on my own. And you can go online and watch hundreds of YouTube clips, have a whole worship set. You can do all of that these days, but, there's, but I tell you, you'll not do that for very long. The, the fire will begin to go out from inside of you. 
Um, it, it, will, it, it, will, it will not flourish. Uh, and there's something in planting yourself in that you flourish. It's a sense of belonging that God gives you. Um, now, here's the third thing, and it's important. Um, we build your beliefs when you get planted. There's a sense of belonging when you come in uh, uh, that the world doesn't have today. And then there's this third thing. It helps you to become all that God wants you to be. When I look back at my life, I was raised by spiritual mentors. Uh, and there's, you know, I didn't have Jedi Knights or I didn't have senseis to come along. I just had a whole bunch of real people that were good, godly people. Uh, when Rachel and I first got, got married, we were in a small group with a lot of married, uh, older married couples. We learned about how to do marriage well by hanging around those people, by asking questions, by listening to their innuendo and their jokes. Do you know when before, you know what I discovered? After you get married, Christians talk about sex an awful lot. But they never talk about you if you're single. So you join this secret club when you get married. And it's like this weird thing that I'm like, why are these people who I look up to talking about sex? And then you realize that's a healthy, important part of it. We learned a lot about God and his kingdom by hanging around people who knew who they were. And it is important that, that you set yourself in this place because God wants to show you. Part of being set in God's house is that you become discipled. That's what Jesus made. He didn't come and say, make Christians. He said, come and make disciples. Well, disciple includes discipline. And that's quite hard for people today. How is it that you take rebuke or take discipline? Part of the growth is that somebody has to be able to call you out on your, on your sin, call you out on, your, uh, on the stuff that's holding you back. And it is important that when you choose to come here, you will definitely get that. But you'll get it in love in grace, and a place of encouragement and acceptance. And that is the difference whenever you belong to a community that's for you. You know, we, we, we handle sin issues in the background. You will never hear about those, generally speaking. You'll never hear about them in here. Why? Because we've got this culture of honor that actually honors the person and the relationship more than the sin. Can I say this is really important you get this? If I say that we're for you, I don't care what you do going forward, we're for you. Because covenant relationship absolutely comes before any brokenness or sin. And if you come in here and you screw up or you fall over, you will get a bunch of people who will draw alongside of you and help you out of that place. But it requires you to participate in that. If you step out, then we step out. But it will be up to you. And it's important that you remember that this place is where you come and become all that God wants you to be. Do you think you're the finished article? Do you think you're all that God wants you to be? It is important that in the context of God's earth that you see modeling. I love that this place is coming down with babies right now. All right? And it's like, honestly, there's families growing up. And a lot of the young folk that, 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 that Rachel and I, uh, you know, mentored when, 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 when we were a bit younger, we, we see them all now coming up and having family, and they're in this church, and they're growing family. And I look at a lot of them, they're healed, restored, delivered, and they're doing family really well. Why? Because in a world that right now families don't go very well for, the church has to be the place where we model something. It's where we model the righteousness of God. It's where we model the things that we're passionate about, but it's where we model healthy family. One of our core values is modeling healthy family. That's why we, we bring a team in when we couldn't afford uh, to pay staff for, for, in the way we did. We, we, God give us a way to bring people in here in order to invest. And we are so happy to have people like, like um, uh, Stacy and Florence and Jasmine and her team up there investing heavily. I love Stacy's way when she does things. You know, I said, do I need to do a baptismal class for the kids? No, we have it all done. They're ready to rock and roll. 
And right enough, they come in and they are. Why? Because those kids up there are learning about God. They're learning about what it means to live. And you know what I love? They're learning how to prophesy and pray. And there's nothing more special when you get a bunch of those young people coming in here and they begin to pray for you. And we may do that soon. Uh, one of the healings that I saw was on a Sunday morning when we had Stacy's kids team line up the front and they became the, the ministry team. And one of the kids prayed for a guy and he got instantly healed. And I'm like, maybe we need to have more of the kids up here at the front. Why? Because us old people, we let our theology and our, our nonsense get in the way. There's something about being like a, a crowd. I, I love that, that the kids are up here, Piper up in here dancing this morning, and uh, just free as a bird. Why aren't you free as a bird? You know, I love that Lena comes up here, and you know, Lana, she, she just dances freedom. You know, maybe some of you men, you need to get up here and start dancing. I'll join you if you come, all right? But I'm serious. This is a place where you can express the freedom of God that God's given you. Freedom is contagious. And this is a place where we will always pursue freedom for you. And maybe the model, you know, when I first went to a charismatic church, I was freaked out. You know, I kid you not, people shouting hallelujah and, and amen and screaming from the sides. And, you know, people waving flags over you. And, you know, honestly, I went to CFC for 30 years and um, I, I never lost an eye, but I was close a few times where the flags get poked in your eye, and you just, and it's just weird. It's like things when you're out of the world and you come in and go, this is just weird. But I, I didn't learn, you know, I, I learned, you know, when someone's standing on the seat behind you waving a flag over your head, and you're like, what on earth is going on right now? And you're like, what? And, but yet, that's, that's the nature of learning the characteristics of the, the community of Jesus. Do you know what I love? I love that people have the freedom to stand up in a chair and wave a flag. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're so stuck in our ways. Get yourself out of a seat and learn to worship God and cut loose and forget about whoever's standing beside you. This is a place where you get to do that. And you know what's really funny? You'll do it here and nobody will bat an eyelid. You know what I'm saying? That's because we're crazy, all right? We're charismaniacs. But you think that, well, if I do that, I become a charismaniac. Maybe you need to. Can I tell you, when you push through fear and inhibition, God tends to set you free in that area. The church is meant to be a place where we're liberated and free to worship him with all of our mind, all of our heart, and all of our spirit. And it's important that we learn to do that. This is a place. You know, I, I, I'm sitting watching hallelujah and the hands in the air and people whacking in the head with flags. And, and I, learned, I learned to be free. And it started off like this. And it went to this. And it kind of went to this. And then it went to this. And now it's like, come on, let's go. And, uh, and you learn how to do that here. You know, and, and you know, what are you supposed to shout when people are shouting hallelujah? I'm like, party, party, party. It's like, you know, and, and well, in here you could probably say party, party, party and get away with it. But it's, it's kind of, there's something about learning how to be that here. And that's a place where you have to be liberated enough to do that. Fourthly, a result of being, uh, being planned that teaches us how to live. Um, how we live is really, really important. Um, now, it's really important because we, we have a saying in here, you can come here and belong before you, need, before you have to behave. It freaks people out, all right? Because here's what happens, and I kid you not, I've had phone calls about this. People in your congregation, John, they're not really living a Christian life. Uh, well, yeah, that's probably true. And they're like, well, that's not the way. Well, because people's idea of church was that when they came in here, when you come in and you belong to church, you conform. You have to act like us, talk like us, be like us. And if you say the right things, we'll let you join our gang. All right? I don't read in Scripture that's the way the Ecclesia was. 
The Ecclesia was a parish. It was a group of people, and it was all sorts and all sorts of crazy heretics that came into the mix. We've got a few crazy heretics here too, and that's just me and Ian, but uh, um, uh, Ian, Ian specifically, that shirt's heretical by itself. <laughs> I said to Jill, can you not dress him in the morning? She just, she just looked at her kid and went, he's wearing a Sonic t-shirt. I said, it tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, where was I? I got sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, well, what happens is, whenever we come in, there's, there's this place where you have to behave. And I grew up in a season when to become a Christian, you stop swearing, stop smoking, stop drinking, and st- stop telling dirty rhymes. And uh, that was kind of the thing that you did. So that held me back from doing that. And then I realized that it's because I do that that I become a Christian. And remember, this place is a journey. When you come in, you get to come on a journey here. So you can be the dirtiest, rotten sinner on the planet, like what Paul says, no one worse than me, and you can belong here. But there'll be a point comes whenever the behavior does need to be modified. But God's not in the business of behavior modification. He's in the business of life transformation. And it's a different, yeah, it's a different, it's a different mindset. Because if you're trying to modify your behavior, it's probably because your life isn't fully transformed into the kingdom of God. We're trying to help you transform your life. You transform your life, guess what happens to the behavior? All the behavior begins to conform. And that's what God does. And it's up to him to help you with that. And um, I mean, I remember people calling me out on my stuff. I remember a, a leader of mine who, who I value, he said, John Ash, you're full of pride. You've got an ego the size of a mountain. And back then, maybe a little bit now, but back then, back then he, he was right. And I was so annoyed at him. I, 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 I had a friend. Gavin sitting here, who's a friend that grew up with him in faith. I remember starting going out with a non-Christian, non-Christian girl. And he got me in a bus one night and he grabbed me. He says, you need to, you need to forget about that. I said, no, a leader to Jesus. The evangelist and me, flirt to convert. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? And Gavin said, no, 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 that's not how this works. And he taught me. He taught me the value that actually, no, there's something in God's kingdom that you cannot be yoked to something of the world. You, 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 need, you need to make a decision. Why? That's how I learned how to become a Christian. Am I perfect? No, we won't be this side of heaven, but I am per- I, I'm more perfect because of you. Do you know why? You hold me to account. And guess what? I hold you to the same account you hold me. And there's something that we get to call each other out on our stuff. Not in a way to beat us up or throw us under the bus. Do you know something? The problem with church, we've thrown too many people under the bus. We need to stop that. We need to stop putting each other under the bus. Uh, you know, was it, I think it was Chris Falton said it. You know, the church is the only organization that shoots his own shol- soldiers in the back. And that's what we do. Stop it. Yes, they might trigger. See if someone in this church triggers you, probably me. Then you need to come and see Elaine, okay? All right? Because it's your trigger and you need to sort it out. All right? I'm just being me. But actually, it's true. The Lord wants us to be transformed into his likeness. And it's important, really, really important that you understand that, that whenever, whenever you decide to plant us in here, it teaches you how to live. How, how should we live? Well, you see, you might say, well, I've got to stop cursing. I've got to stop smoking. I've got to stop drinking. Actually, you can smoke, drink, and curse in here. And people probably won't go too hard on you. Why? Because we're not really interested in restoring that in you. We're interested in helping you in your heart, 
in your mind and in your soul. And that's the stuff we will go after. That's the stuff prophetically that we will be sharp on. We will speak to your heart. We'll call you out on your stuff that actually is designed to help you deal with all of that. We stopped dealing with sin and that stuff a whole long time ago. And it is important. Get out of that thinking. If that's your thinking, that's on you. The heart is what needs restored. It will always come back to relationship. Whatever relationship got broken in you will also be people in a church community that will trigger that relationship and cause a, it'll be provoked within you. It's your trigger and you need to deal with it. That's why we value things like theotherapy, prayer ministry, and the prophetic, because we're calling out the gold in you. We're calling out the stuff that's in your heart to transform you into what? The likeness of Christ. When you do that, all the other stuff takes care of itself. We, we need to stop chasing that stuff and start going after true transformation of the heart. And that's what God wants to do. I love that I've got these people to do this church life with. You know, I get a chance to be around um, holy men like, um, honestly, like people like Eddie Cook, uh, people like John Walker, people like Ian Somerville, Richard Porter. These are the people in my life that come along and go, hey, John, I'm going to call you out on that. You know, people like Philip Logan. These are men in and, and, and our community that I look up to. That, that I draw alongside, that they get to input into my life and say, hold on a minute, young cub there. You know, they don't do that. And guess what? I get to do it to them. And we've this relationship where people call us out. I love that we've got spiritual uh, women, people like Julia Muir who comes in here and out of everybody who ever calls me out in anything, she's the one that does it the most. <laughs> and she will call me out. I, I see that on you, John. Let's get, let's get an appointment and get that sorted out. Why? That I'm consistently being transformed. People like Catherine McKee, my wife, that my staff team, call me out in my stuff all the time. I love them dearly. They call me out. Sarah's face, I, she does, we don't we didn't need to talk anymore. I just say something, Sarah's face, right? Okay, let's not do that. <laughs> but I love we've got these people, people like Elaine. Why? why? Well, because, because our behavior actually matters. If we look like the world, the church will be ineffective. We're not meant to look like the world. We're meant to be looking like this joyful, incredible place that is life-giving, that when we go down into that, some of you are here because you saw the smiles on our, our face. Someone said to me, I've never seen a more bunch of happier people in all my life. That's why I go to your church. And they look around going, how did those people get that? How did they, how? they got that because they spent hours and hours in the council room with Elaine or, or coming up for prayer, being hungry to restore, in the word, going after their own life. God's interest in your heart. And finally, number five, you get to live a bigger life. Ian, come on back up again. You get to live a bigger life. Church is so much bigger. Being part of local life is this place where we get together and we do something together. There is a power and a movement when we do this stuff together. There's something in corporate when we get together and we do it together that God brings the ecclesia together in order to fulfill his purposes. Um, I'll finish off with a story. Um, I, I, I love Discovery Channel. Anybody else? Anybody else love Discovery? I, I love history and, and, and all of that stuff. My, my family hate it with a passion. I watch, anybody watch Gold Rush? No? Three or four of you? I love Gold Rush, all right? But uh, every now and again, you, you know, you flick over to the, the, the Nature Channel, all right? And you get, uh, you know, I like my TV screen, 4K, and you see all the colors, really nice to watch. It's like, like when I first got my TV, Ethan's like, Daddy, you're mad, sitting watching all the colors of that. But you, you get to see this. And have you ever come across the Serengeti Plain? I, and, and, you know, you see Richard Attenborough talking in that voice. And you look out, and you see, you see this large herd of wildebeest. And I've come to the conclusion that wildebeest are the stupidest animal on the planet. All right? And, uh, and, they're, 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 and when they stay together... In a circle, 
they're good. But you see the camera following the wildebeest as they're just munching away, happily walking along, serving what they do, doing what they do. And then the camera shoots to this, this pride of lions. You know, there's one big lion lying there and he's flicking the tail. And four women running around serving him, you know. It's like the best life ever. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, you, you, see, you see this wildebeest. Let's call him Luther, okay? You see Luther. And he's like, nah, I don't like that pack anymore. I don't like hanging around with them. And, and then the next thing, the camera shoots back and you've got three of these lionesses doing that shoulder thing. You know, you know the shoulder thing? They're sneaking up through that and they're going, and, and they've got Luther there munching away and all the other wildebeest are going, Luther, get back here. There's lions out there. And Luther's going, no, no, I'm doing okay by myself. There's nicer grass here. Luther, get back in the pack. There's lions out there and they're going to get you. And you see them, this next thing, the camera's intense now, and you're into the, you're into the picture. And all of a sudden, you see that, like the three lions, like one, two, three, rah! And they're on Luther, and you know, his back leg going like this. And before you know it, he's being torn to pieces. And the rest of the wildebeest have scarpered. They're dusting the thing, and they're way they go. And there's poor Luther. And he's still alive, and he's looking down, and the back end of him's gone. And the lions have ripped him apart. And then he's dead, picked off. Why am I telling you that? Because Billy, Billy Connolly told it first. It's a brilliant story. But it is important. It's a great picture of the church. Do you know many people wander off by themselves like Luther? And the Bible says that, that the enemy comes like a lion to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can tell you, you head off by yourself you will end up like Luther and you will wonder why the inside of you is carnage because the lion is in there ripping you apart because you've chosen to leave the pack. We were meant to do this together. We're meant to belong together. We're meant to be in community. And yes, here's the truth. You say, well, I've been hurt. I've been hurt by community. Community has hurt me. Church has hurt me. Can I tell you something? It's hurt me too. And there was days when I was hurt by church where I tell you, I didn't want to do this anymore. There was days we were done, I'm packing this in, I am done with this. And I, and I know so many people who've been hurt by the church, dang it, I think even I've hurt people in this church. I'm so sorry if that's the case, but when you put yourself in a bunch of people, it's a risk that you actually have to take. But can I tell you something? It is less of a risk than the pain of being isolated and on your own and getting picked off by the enemy if you choose to go that way. You have to drop the guard and say, hey, I might get hurt. People in that church might not treat me the way that I want them to be treated. But can I pray for you this morning? Make a decision. If it's not this local church, please go find one that you can belong in, one that you can invest in, that you, and not just a, that you invest wholeheartedly, not just with your time and your effort, but you, you, you put in financially. There's something when you do this together that, you know, honestly, if the whole church tithe we would change the world. We would literally change the world. But what do we do? And here's the truth. I would say 15% of the church tithe. Probably another 40% give something and the rest give nothing. That's the general consistency of giving within a church like ours. Imagine if we really were fully bought in the local church, fully bought in to going after the things of God, fully bought in. What could we do? Imagine we could do that together. And yet, in all of it, we see the miracles of God. We see that. If you've been hurt by church, if you've been 
uh, rejected by church. If, if church have hurt you, on behalf of a church leader, I'm so sorry. I believe that they didn't mean to do that on purpose, though some of them maybe did. But I'm sorry if you've been hurt. But if you hold on to that hurt and that pain and reject church, you reject the very thing that Christ gave birth to on Pentecost. You need to deal with it. And this morning, I'm going to invite our, our prayer ministry team up. And if you want prayer for anything, for healing, for anything that I've said this morning, uh, I would love to pray for you. But I do want to say this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, Never mind joining a local church. You don't know the reason why you need to join the local church. I want to encourage you. The, the best thing you can do today is give your life to Jesus. He will transform you, not in a moment, though that can happen. But he starts you on a journey where you make a decision to step along. And can I say there's people here today, you need Jesus in your life. There's people here today, you've never met him. You need to know him again. Or maybe you've walked away. Maybe you're kind of living in oblivion. Give your life back to the Lord. It starts from walking to this front and letting some of our people pray. Let's stand.